Hey everyone, welcome back to the podcast from Mount Hope Christian Center's Belmont location in Belmont, Massachusetts. My name is Brian. If we don't know each other, I'm the pastor there in Belmont, and it's good to talk to you. Every new year provides a new opportunity to think about the work that we want to get done in the coming 12 months. This week we start thinking about the question, what is the work that God wants us to do? We answer that question in this sermon, and in the coming weeks we'll talk about how God wants us to do this work. I also know that the audio quality of this recording isn't the greatest. Bear with us. I promise you we'll get it fixed next week. So I hope you enjoy this, and I hope you listen closely, because I believe that God has something He would like to say to you. If you have a Bible with you, you may want to open it up to the book of Ephesians. There's also there's some Bibles in the rows in front of you, underneath the seats. We'll also have the verses on the screen here in a moment. But if you want to take a moment, you open up your Bible app, open up the book, you're going to the book of Ephesians. If you're not sure where that is, you go to the New Testament list and work your way down the list past those Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans. You keep working your way down, you'll find the book of Ephesians. You can turn there to chapter 4, and we're going to be there in just a moment. Before we get there, I have a question for you. Have you ever found yourself in a situation... Perhaps you have. I've been here, and I bet you have too. Have you ever found yourself in a situation where you've seen someone do a job, and the job is done so poorly, you can't help but wonder exactly who in the world's job it was and what they were thinking when they tried to do it? Have you ever been there? So perhaps you pulled up uh, to a school zone, uh, and you looked down at the road, and you saw something like this. And you thought to yourself, whose job was that? Whose job was that to put that in place? Whose job was it to oversee this? Or maybe you pulled up next to where you were supposed to park on a curb and you saw the fire zone and it looked something like this. Like, whose job is it to put that together? You know, the internet has a saying that goes with pictures like this. And maybe you've seen it if you've uh, you know, been on Facebook or Twitter or something like that. The internet has a saying and that they post with these pictures. And they'll say something like, you had one job. And so you'll have the picture of the left-hand turn in the road with the right-hand turn sign. And the caption will read, you had one job, right? What happened? This one's my favorite right here. You had one job. What happened? And so these pictures, when you see something like this, you wonder to yourself, whose job was that to put that together? And what were they thinking? Why would a sign ever say, elevator is out for service, please use the elevator? Have you ever been in a situation where you've seen a job that somebody did and it's caused you to wonder, whose job was that? And whose job was it to oversee it? And sometimes it's not just that a job was done poorly. Sometimes you and I expect a job to get done or something to be done and the job is not done at all. It's not just that the job is done poorly. You expect something to be done. You expect something to happen. You think it would have happened whether that's in your house or it's in the community, or it's in your job situation, that someone would have done a job or would have done some work, but you come across what you thought would be done, and it's not done at all. I want to read a little story here for you and ask you the question, has anything like this ever happened to you? This is a story about four people named everybody, somebody, anybody, and nobody. There was an important job to be done, and everybody was asked to do it. Everybody was sure somebody would do it. Anybody could have done it, 
but nobody did it. Somebody got angry about that because it was everybody's job. Everybody thought anybody could do it, but nobody realized that everybody wouldn't do it. It ended up that everybody blamed somebody when nobody did what anybody could have done. Have you ever been in a situation like that, where everybody thought someone was going to do the job, but the job just didn't get done? It's frustrating, isn't it? It's frustrating when you're in a situation that you expect a job would get done, and it doesn't get done. Maybe you ask your child to do something, or you ask your spouse to do something, they say they're going to do it, they don't do it. It's frustrating. Or you ask your child to pick up their room, and it looks like they've picked up their room, but you look under the bed, and all they've really done is thrown everything under the bed, or thrown everything into the closet. And so if the job's not done, or it's done poorly, those things can frustrate us. It seems like, to me, that often when jobs don't get done, when work doesn't get completed, or when work doesn't get fully completed. Part of the issue that we have is that it's not fully clear whose job it is to do the work. When something doesn't get done, when we find ourselves in those situations like the story we just read, where we're assuming that things are getting done and they're not, many times our problem is we're not fully clear on exactly whose job it is and what the work is that they're supposed to do. There's something that we do in our world to try and help make things clear. If we're going to figure out whose job it is to do something. There's a thing that we do uh, in the work environment, we do it in school, we do it on a sports team, to try to make it clear whose job it is to do something in order for work to get done. And that is we make both divisions and we make distinctions. And I'll tell you what, we mean, what I mean by that. We make both divisions and we make distinctions. And here's how it works. Sometimes in work environments, when a job needs to be done, we'll make a specific division in order to make it clear whose job it is to do something. And so we'll say, okay, this group over here, you are human resources. And this group over here, you are IT. You have different jobs to do, and these are your divisions within which you work, right? Or we'll say, I'm a part, you're a part of this team, and I'm a part of this team, and we have a job to do. You're a part of this work group, I'm a part of this work group. You're a part of this class, I'm a part of this class. And we have jobs to do, but there's a distinct division between the work that we're supposed to do over here and the work that you're supposed to do over here. Now, a distinction is different. When we make distinctions in work, we say something like this. All of us have a job to do. We're a team trying to win a game. We're a work group trying to launch a product. We're a group trying to solve a problem. We all have a job to do, but within our team, we have very distinct roles. You're going to throw the ball. You're going to catch it. You're going to be the expert when it comes uh, to IT. You're going to be the expert when it comes to marketing. You're going to be the teacher. We're going to be the students. You're going to be the coach, we're going to be the players. You're going to be the boss, we're going to be the employees. In some places we make distinctions so that we know exactly what role we're all supposed to play in order to get the same work done. Now here's what I want us to think about this morning. Sometimes we make the mistake of creating divisions when we should be making distinctions. And whenever there's a division where there should be a distinction, work doesn't get done. 
Have you ever been a part of a team? Could be within your family. Could be within work. Could be within school. Have you ever been a part of a team that has been divided? What should have been happening was distinctions. You each had different roles to play, but instead the team was divided. And even though you were working towards the same goal, there was a great chasm between the people that were on that team. And as a result, the work either did not get done or it got done poorly. When we find ourselves in places where we're making divisions, where there should be distinctions, it affects the quality of the work. Now, why does all this matter? Well, we're starting a new series here at Mount Hope. And we're calling it Fully Equipped. All you need to do your best work this year. And as we get started, we have to ask a couple of questions. We're going to answer these fully over the next few weeks. But as we get started, we're going to ask ourselves a couple of questions. And that is, what is the work that we're called to do? What is this work that we're talking about? If we're saying we're going to give you all you need to do your best work this year, well, then what is the work? And secondly, whose job is it to get the work done? If we're not clear on both of those things, then the end result of the work is that the work is going to be done incompletely or it's not going to be done at all. If we're not clear on exactly what the work is that we're being called to and whose job it is to get the work done, then it will be just like the pictures that we looked at earlier or the story we read earlier. Either the work is going to be done, but it's not going to be done well, or the work's not going to be done at all. And this morning we're going to look at a couple of verses in the book of Ephesians. So a man by the name of Paul, the Apostle Paul, he wrote letters to many churches in the first century. And one of those churches was a church in Ephesus. And to that church, he wrote this letter. And in this letter in chapter 4, we're going to discover not only what it, the work is that needs to get done, but we're also going to discover whose job to look at this morning is one place where we who would call ourselves followers of Jesus, we who are a part of the church, have created a big division where we really should be making a distinction. So what's this work and whose job is it? Well, Paul, I think, makes it clear. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 through 16, this is what he says. And he, that he is God, and God gave the apostles the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood and to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love." So now here's the first question. What is the work that Paul is saying we are to do? That's the first question. And here's what, here's what I believe that Paul is saying here 
to you and to me. Now, if you're in the room and you call yourself a follower of Jesus Christ, I think Paul is speaking directly to you and he's speaking directly to me. This is the work that we are called to do. If we're people who follow Jesus, here's the work we're called to do. And quite simply, Paul gives us two jobs to do. He says, your job, my job, is to grow up in every way into the head of the church who is Christ. That your job and my job, our job, is to grow up in every way into the head of the church who is Christ. And he says, the reason you are to do this is so that you are not only mature, but you're no longer like a child swayed to and fro. When anyone comes up with a new idea about who God is or what he might say, when anyone comes up with a, with a new uh, cunning scheme, Paul says, you'll be mature in who Jesus is and what it means to follow him. So you're not swayed by these things. That's your job, to grow up in Christ. That's our job, grow up in Christ. That's the first part. And the second part is this. We are to grow up in Jesus, in Christ, so that the body will grow together. Paul says, here's what happens. As we as individuals grow up in our understanding of who Jesus is, all of us together who make up the church will grow together into the body that he calls us to be. That's the work. Now, that may sound a little um, difficult to understand how it's going to be accomplished, but that's the work that Paul calls us to. We'll talk more about that later, how it gets accomplished. But the work that Paul calls us to is that we would, you and me, we would mature in Christ, we would grow up a little bit, stop being children in the faith, and mature into adults in the faith, and that as we do that, the body, which is the group of us together, the church, would grow closer together and function properly. Now, here's the big question. If that's the work, if that's what's supposed to happen, whose job is it? Whose job is it? If the work is that we are to grow up in Christ so that the body grows together, the big question is, whose job is it to see that happen? And here's where I want to suggest to you this morning that not just that in the church, and by church, I mean big C church, I mean church throughout the centuries, we have made a big mistake. And we have created division where God has told us to create a distinction. We've created a division where God has told us to create a distinction. And the result is that the work that God calls us to is not done completely, and in some cases, it's not done at all. We live in a society that loves to contract out work. In fact, a couple weeks ago, I heard about an app that may have been around for a while. I'm usually not the first person to hear about these things. But it's an app that bills itself as Uber for dog walkers. You know about this app? And so on one side of the app, there are dog owners. And on the other side of the app, there are the dog walkers. And so when you need your dog walked, you don't bundle up and put on your coat and scarf or go home from work and walk your dog, you open the app and you say, I need a dog walker and I need a dog walker now or at two o'clock or whatever. And then the dog walker magically appears to wherever your dog is and walks your dog. It used to be that if you were a dog owner, it was just assumed that you were also a dog walker. 
That those two came together. They were one and the same. If you owned a dog, you also walked the dog. But not in today's world. We can contract that work out. And so now you can be a dog owner, but you don't have to be a dog walker. You can have all the benefits of pet ownership without all the strains of taking care of that pet. So you are the dog owner, but you contract out the dog walking to the magical person who comes in to walk your dog when you push the button. And we don't just do that with walking dogs. We do that in many things. And so even in work environments, we're used now to contracting things out that maybe we don't have the expert in-house, and so we can get the expert somewhere. Or we, we don't um, necessarily make things ourselves. We buy them from the store. And if we don't like what one store has, well, then we can go to a different store. And we just find the things that we like, and we find the expert. I think there was a day. I don't remember this day, but my understanding is there was a day that if you wanted food, you grew it. And if you wanted clothes, you sewed them. And if you wanted a house, you built it. That's my understanding. But not so today. If I want food, someone else has done that work, and I am happy to pay them to do that work, because I promise you, they know way more about food growing than I do. And if it was up to me at this point in my life to grow all my own food, that would be a bad situation for me to be in. If I had to sew my own clothes, that would be a huge problem as well. And if I had to build my own house, that would be a big problem too. We are used to living in an environment where now we contract all this stuff out to the people who are experts. All the way down to walking our dogs. And it's just natural for us to bring that ideology into church. And say, this is how it works. There are experts who we pay and send to school to learn about God and to understand what it means to follow him. And we are happy to support them and to listen to them, and they go and do all the work and tell us everything that we need to know, and then we come and we, we consume that work, or we consume the products of whatever the, the church is that we attend, and then, uh, and then that's it. And we have, over the centuries, created a great division between the fancy words would be the clergy and the laity, haven't we? And I'm not specifically talking about Mount Hope Church in Belmont. I'm talking about the church in general. This is how we have viewed church for a long time. And for many of us, it's just a natural thing to walk into church and expect for that to happen. That the same way we pay people to drive us around and we pay people to walk our dogs, that we would also consume a service in church that would benefit us in some way. And if we don't like the service at one church, we can just go down the street to the other church until we find the one that meets our needs. That's how we've been wired and that's how we've interacted with church. And to be fair, the people who are a part of the clergy, who have been on the other side of this, really kind of have liked this. And so they've continued to develop the division. It's not just that laity have said, we don't want to do the work, we'll pay you to do it. But clergy on the other side have wanted to maybe justify their experience or justify their existence and justify uh, their role in the church. And they kind of like being in charge and like it when everybody listens to them. So the clergy is more than happy to say, yes, let us do the work. We'll go to God. We'll study the book. And then we'll come back and tell you everything that you need to know. I want to suggest to you this morning that the result of a division like that is that the work God calls us to, <laughs> growing up in Christ and becoming the body, 
is either not done or it's incomplete. You see, Paul here doesn't make that division. He makes an important distinction. That if we're going to do our best work in this next year as the body of Christ, we need to understand and embrace. If you're going to do your best work in this coming year when it comes to growing up in Christ and becoming a part of the body, this distinction is something that you need to embrace. And as someone who God has called to be a leader in the church, this is a distinction I need to embrace. Otherwise, the work's not going to get done, and it's not going to get done well. This is the way Paul puts it in verse 11. God gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to do all the work of the ministry. No, that's not what he says. God gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry to the building up of the body of Christ. Paul says there's a distinction here. God has given some to be evangelists and preachers and missionaries and teachers and prophets. He's given some that would be set apart, distinct for that work. But their main job is to build up the other followers of Jesus Christ, to build up the saints, to equip them to do the work I've called them to do, which is to grow up in Christ and be formed into the body. <laughs> you know, there's some work that we can contract out to people and experience the, the benefits. So I can ask someone to walk my dog and pay them to do it, and they'll come and walk my dog. I've contracted out the work, I get the benefit. I can pay someone to cut my grass, I contract out the work, and I get the benefit. There is some work that cannot be contracted out. Wouldn't it be great? Wouldn't it be great if I could go to the gym and meet with a personal trainer, and I said to them, what is the cost to get me in shape? I will pay you all the money you need, you do all the work, and I'm just going to sit home and reap the benefits. And so that person would work out on my behalf, and I would just sit there and I would get in better shape. Wouldn't that be great? But you can't do it. You can't contract out that work. You can't make a division there where you say to the personal trainer, you go do all the work, I'll sit at home and just magically get into shape. In the same way, you can't do that, let's say, with a counselor. If you need help with mental health and you go to a counselor, you say to the counselor, listen, I'll pay you this money. You're the expert in all of these things. I'm going to go home and you just do all the work and I'll get better. I'll get healthier. No, you have to do the work yourself. You can't make a division there. It's a distinction. You say, all right, personal trainer, I'm going to hate every second of it, but you and I are in this thing together. You're the trainer. I'm the trainee. But we're doing the work together. And when you make that distinction, rather than the vision, the work can get done. When we come into church and we put a division where there should be a distinction, we stop the work that God calls us to from happening. Not everyone should be up on stage singing and playing music. We all agree with that, right? Not everyone should be on stage playing music. But everyone should worship. Not everyone is going to be leading the prayer meeting. But all of us should pray. Not everyone is going to be the great biblical scholar and teacher. But all of us should read the Bible. 
And what happens is sometimes we make a great distinction where we say, listen, you guys go. You're the, you're the leaders. You're the smart people. You're the gifted people. You guys go and play the music and read the Bible and do all the praying. And I'll just hang around and hope to get some of the benefit. But when it comes to following Jesus Christ, if you're going to do the work that God calls you to do, it doesn't work that way. It's one of those things you can't contract out to somebody else. If we are going to grow in maturity in Christ, do this work that God's calling us to do. If we're going to grow in maturity in Christ, if we're going to grow into the body that God calls us to be, then we as individuals have distinct roles. Some of us might be the preacher. Some of us might be the musician. Some of us might be the teacher. Some of us might be the person who helps with cleaning. We all have distinct roles. But all of us have to participate in the work together. All of us have to be a part of worship. All of us have to be a part of prayer. All of us have to be a part of giving. All of us have to be a part of serving. All of us have to be a part of growing in our maturity in Christ. That's what God calls us to. Sometimes it's so easy for us just to let other people do the work that we don't feel like we're capable of doing. And I think for many of us, when it comes to church things and things of God, it's not that we don't want to do it. We feel like we're ill-equipped to do it. That you would hear me say to you this morning, you should be worshiping. And you would say to me, I'm not even sure how to do that. Or you would hear me say to you this morning, you should read your Bible. And you would say, listen, I have tried, but I don't have the knowledge and the ability to, to do this well. Or you would hear me say, you should be praying, or you should be sharing Jesus with other people. And you would say back to me, it's not that I don't want to do it. I don't even know that I have the ability to do those things. Whenever I try to pray, I don't have the right words to say. If the idea of actually sharing Jesus and talking about that stuff with somebody else sends me into a panic. Here's what I would remind you this morning. Before we spend the next few weeks talking about exactly how we get this work done. The ability to do this work, to grow up in Christ and become the body, the ability to do it doesn't come from you, and it doesn't come from me. Do you remember the story of Jesus calling his disciples? He didn't go to the school and get the smartest people. He didn't, he didn't go to LinkedIn and find the, the most qualified people to be his followers. He went down to the docks and found some normal people who were fishing. He went and grabbed a tax collector who people really didn't like. And he would go and grab these 12 men and he would say, come follow me. Not because they were the best and not because they were the brightest, but because he chose them to follow him. And you remember what he said to those fishermen when he said, come and follow me? He said, come follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. The, the, the call was to come and follow him and allow Jesus, as they walked with him, to change them from who they were into who God was calling them to be. It wasn't that Jesus said, come, and the first day he handed them all the work and said, go ahead and do it. He walked with them for three years, so when it was time for him to leave this earth and go back to heaven, the disciples, with the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, were able to carry on the work. 
And you may be sitting here this morning feeling ill-equipped. You say, Pastor, I know what the next few weeks hold because I've been in Mount Hope in January for a bunch of years. You're going to talk about reading your Bible. You're going to talk about praying. You're going to talk about giving. You're going to talk about the Holy Spirit. You're going to talk about all of these things. And you're right. That's exactly what we're going to talk about. And you're saying to me right now, I don't know how to do these things. I try every year to do a Bible reading plan. I get to Leviticus chapter 10 and I can't do anymore. Or I try every year to be a better prayer. And I start off, I'm going to pray an hour a day and it only lasts for two days. I can't do it. Let me remind you this morning that the ability and the power to do that does not come from you. It comes from Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit, whom he's given to you if you follow him. And so don't quit on the work. Don't quit on the work and don't try to give it to somebody else. God is calling you to grow up in him so that we might become the body of Christ. And let me tell you, this is a real insider message. It's a real insider thing to say, but if we want to see our church impact the community, if we want to see our church do something for the glory of God, if we want to see our church make an impact for those who need to know the love of Jesus Christ, then this has to be happening in all of our lives, that we would be growing up in maturity in Christ so that we might grow into the body God calls us to be. And if we do that well, God's going to use us. For his glory. I'm going to invite our worship team back to the front as we close this morning. And here's the thing. I don't want to pretend this morning that things like this aren't already happening. If you've been around with us for a little bit, you may not know, we're about two and a half years old here at Mount Hope in Belmont. And one of the greatest joys has been to see, especially lately, over I would say the last year, individuals who are part of this congregation in this location begin to grow in their knowledge of Jesus Christ, begin to take care of one another, begin to serve one another. Nothing brings me greater joy than when I, I go to the hospital and I visit somebody and, and they say to me, so-and-so has already been here from the church. Because the work of the ministry is happening. Or when I hear just weeks later that a group of people got together in somebody's home and that they worshiped together and prayed together, had a meal together. That is exactly what should be happening in the life of a healthy church. When someone comes and says, Pastor, I read this in the Bible and this is what God is teaching me. I was praying the other day and this happened. That those sorts of things are happening in the life of this church. But as we begin a new year, it's important for us to remind ourselves what the work is that God's called us to do. To grow up in Christ, to grow into the body he's called us to be. We look at those pictures on the internet, and the internet types in the caption, you had one job. I would hate to get to heaven and have God look at me and say, you had one job. You had one job. As shepherd, pastor, leader, you had one job. What happened? God's given you a job. To grow up in Christ. To become the body he's called us to be. To serve and love him and one another. Let's not be the kind of people who try to pass that off to somebody else. So that we stand before God and he looks at us and says, 
Good one job. I put you in Belmont, Massachusetts for a reason. You had a job. What happens? Would this be a year that we're people of distinction? Grow in Christ and grow together into the body God's called us to be. God, we thank you this morning for who you are. Thank you for your grace and your mercy that you've shown us through Jesus Christ. Thank you for the grace and the mercy that you give us to do the work that you call us to do. God, I believe this morning that you would never call us as followers of you to do work that you haven't given us the ability to do. So would we be the kind of people that rely on your spirit? Would we be the kind of people that rely on your presence? To not only become the individual followers of Jesus you call us to be, but to become the body of believers that you call us to be. That you might use us for your glory to impact this world for Jesus Christ. We thank you in advance for the work you're going to do in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you again for listening to the podcast from Mount Hope's Belmont Campus. At Mount Hope, we gather each week to learn more about God, grow in our love of God and others, and then we go to live lives driven by faith. If you live in the Burlington or Belmont, Massachusetts area, we'd love to have you join us. We meet Sunday mornings in Burlington at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. and Sunday mornings in Belmont at 10 a.m. You can find out more about us at our website, www.mounthope.org.